Er, uh, welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where, uh, every week we, uh, talk about one Alkaline Trio song, and, uh, this week it's She Lied to the FBI. Boston, by the oh, end of that. Um, oh, Southie put, put Irish. A little, uh, Islander on that. Mm. Yeah, that's Southie Irish, comes dude. As you were, a park the car about alkaline tree. <laughs> Tim's going to do the whole podcast this way, so if you aren't liking it, you may just want to not continue. Just to be forewarned. You know, the best part of my day is. It's for about 10 seconds when I pull up to I your door you. and I think, maybe he's gone. Hey, he's just gone. You sound a lot more like a roadie for the Pogues than you do someone from South Boston. Tom Brady. Tom Brady, dude. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about one alkaline trio song and this week we are talking about a song that is about the movie the town uh i've not seen the movie the town and honestly this is uh one of those instances where tim one ups me i did not know this song was inspired by the town uh little little uh crime caper romance film as best as i can tell uh directed by ben affleck uh, so why don't you give the people a little rundown? A uh, written and directed boy, Ben Affleck. I don't, I don't know if he wrote it. Um, I do love the fact that we are we are noting this moment as a time where I know something that you don't about the Alkaline Trio. And you know how I know this, David? Because earlier today, I took a dump. And I looked at Genius, and it said, Matt Skiba has said that this song is about the movie The Town. And you, you know why I didn't know this is because I never listened to this song, and I'm like, I need to figure out what the fuck these lyrics are about. Um, so, you know, I, I think I took it a little too on its face. So kudos to you for actually um, deciding to look at them. Just, uh, you know, consulting with the... Basically, the Websters of song lyrics. Mm-hmm. That would be Genius.com. Um, yeah, I mean, on its face, you would think she lied to the FBI. Well, did you write an, another song about Susan Atkins? Mm-hmm. Like, which, which serial killer are we talking about on this one, Matt? But no, he's talking about Affleck. Rebecca Hall, John Hamm, Jeremy Renner. God, you're you're a real uh, JFK over there. More like a JF carrot top, if you know what I mean. Um, oh, someone, someone is on a grassy knoll right now, wanting to shoot me in the head. Listen to this podcast. Oh boy, Do you like are that? They ever. The, 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 the park the car. <laughs> Something happened to me a few years ago, and what what it was was that 
uh, now, no matter what, when I'm doing an accent, I just start laughing and I can't control it at this point, but I, I can't control an accent when I'm doing it in front of somebody because I just start giggling so much. But true story, my friends and I, my wrestling friends, the people that I go, well, Bill we Goldberg, once, Kevin Nash, your wrestling friends. My buddy Kevin Nash, who introduced me to his friend Bob Mold. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, uh, these are these are my friends that I would go out of town with to wrestling shows, and we were in we were in Florida. We were at one of the shows that was in Orlando in the last couple of years, uh, and we just started talking with Boston accents in a bar, and just started talking about Tom Brady. And then this guy at the bar was like, best quarterback that I ever lived. And we're like, yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. And it's, uh, it's stuck with us ever since. Well, now it's uh, stuck with me forever, too. Um, like that great uh, Matt Damon movie, Stuck on You. <laughs> um, you should see the town. It's good. I... I believe it to be good. I uh, don't know how that one fully missed me, but I actually, uh, I think Ben Affleck has made some good movies, both behind the camera, both with a pen in his hand and uh, in front of the camera. Sometimes both. Sometimes all. Um, I think he, he does some good shit. And yeah, and I will check it out, especially knowing that it inspired this uh, monumental Alkaline Trio song, obviously. <laughs> I can't believe Nina hasn't seen it. Maybe she has. I need to ask her. Um, yeah. But I have not, though. Boston. Um, Boston. Yeah. I mean, we, we had Boston's talk last week. We'll have more of that soon. Um, <laughs> you know. But uh, this song, Tim, when did you first hear it? Because I know by this point you were fucking fully checked out. Um. I mean, I've probably like passively heard it after we started doing this podcast. Well, I don't know, maybe, because usually if I hear something, it comes after a song that we cover. Mm-hmm. So this actually might have been completely fresh to me yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I feel like... It's kind of been brought up because the first two songs on this record, She Lied to the FBI and uh, I Want to Be a Warhol, to me, have a very similar thing going on, um, which I'll get into in a bit. But uh, what, what, did you th- what did you think going into it, seeing the song title and then clicking play? I mean, I've had thoughts about the song title for some time because I remember it coming out um well i want to be a warhol was the first single yes right and this was the second one i think something like that i i don't think there was a lot of single play happening on this record because i know warhol has the music video um Uh and then yeah i feel like this was probably one i think there was the whatever the one with uh tim from rise against was on they did like an in-studio video for i think that was probably about it Mm -hmm. i mean i've definitely seen uh the track title uh before and i don't know what what else do you do when you see uh a song that matt skiba's written uh 
and you're just looking at the title you say yeah all right well i think (laughs) sure she did there's a game i used to play when they would because it was that weird period of time basically from crimson onward where like when albums would get would get announced it would just be like the list of songs and i'd love to be like like what's a matt song and what's a dan song let's let's guess do a little bet and boy the first two on this one really pretty apparent who's going to be singing these tracks um yeah it's our boy matt um when i heard it the first time i was like oh all right yeah coming out the gate swinging it's pretty good and then i listened to it with headphones on and i have thoughts mm-hmm. lay them on but well let's not Let's not lead with the negative right away because I'm sure that this is a song that a lot of people like. Mm-hmm. And when it comes down to like the things that I don't like about it, it's really kind of like fart sniffing material. But it's a total like it's a total burner. It's catchy. It's fun. Yeah. It seems like it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the delivery too. Like you can tell that he's, I don't know, maybe he had like, uh, a little caffeine before he got in the vocal booth, but there is like a, a bit of like, you know, pomp to it. Yeah. I mean, I always group, she lied to the FBI and I want to be a Warhol together. They're tracks one and two on my shame is true. And I, do enjoy both these songs i wouldn't say they're great songs but i i've always seen these as like matt just doing ramon stuff where like Mm -hmm. and i think there's other moments on this record where he does that too like i don't mind even like the lyrical stuff in either of those tracks because it's it's committing to the bit to such a degree where i'm like all right like and and i think he is doing it well like i think his vocal performance is good it sounds like they're having fun but then there's like the what really makes my shame is true so rough is when he does these songs that are like half that and half like I'm really sad this woman broke up with me. So you get these like mm-hmm. weird mixed metaphors that like where he's singing he's like you were the preschool teacher that took away my finger paint left me redheaded baby and it's just like <laughs> no 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 <laughs> like it's just he really trips over his own shoelaces on some of these songs, which is why, like, the fact that she lied to the FBI is maybe the worst song title on the record, but somehow is not a bad song, is, like, a real cognitive dissonance for me. Like, mm. it's easy to use this song as a punchline, but I actually think it's it, it, it achieves what it's trying to do. Yeah, it's kind of like that that idea that, like, like self-parody is the best how's that thing go like like it it sounds like it's a bit of a parody of himself and like what he's trying to do here because i mean think about the fucking song is called the kkk took my baby away yeah what is that yeah i mean it's and before this record they were doing tours where they would cover that song like almost every night and then, like, switch instruments and do a Ramones or a Misfits song. So I think there was a little bit of, like, all right, let's bring that energy in. And I think what makes the song work is, like, it's under three minutes. Like you said, it's kind of a burn. It just gets in, does the thing. 
and it's just kind of fun and quick. It's got the big sing-along parts. Like, I think Dan's backing vocals are really nice. Um, mm. But it's also, you know, one where, like, all right, like, knowing it's about the town, it's like, all right, these lyrics now make a little bit more sense. Uh, and he's not just, yeah. you know, fully doing a bit. Um <laughs> But he delivers it like it's, I mean, he's the guy being like, it's still real to me um, about this uh, particular subject matter. Yeah, I think that there's a lot to that. I don't know. It's it's cool, like, the the way it, it, like, just opens each verse with that she lied, she lied to the FBI. Like, mm-hmm. immediately, there's a hook. Yeah. And the chorus has a really good hook and yeah. it just yeah it it blows through it there's a lot of catchy stuff there's a lot of like good sing-along stuff this is what you would want like your first song off of i mean you know we sort of challenge ourselves sometimes when we're looking at this addiction and wonder like what the fuck is going on here mm-hmm. but it seems like there is an intentionality to my shame is true to try and pump some life into the enterprise. Yeah. And you can, you can see that they're swinging for the fences, like coming out with a song like this, um, just really trying to like establish that this isn't like the lethargic alkaline trio that we've been seeing the past couple of years. Yeah. I mean, it feels really intentional that I feel like, you know, this record, you know, the issue I've always had with it is like, there's not, there's aside from a couple songs, there's nothing that like really offends me. There's just a lot of like that mid level kind of middling material. And like when that's back to back to back, especially on the B side of this album, it's a real fucking slog. Mm-hmm. But, like, this is just proof, and I, you know, we talk about it so much with the early era of the band, and I think it's what they really miss in the later era, is, like, just do a fucking EP, it's fine. Do a mm-hmm. six-song 12-inch with, like, these two, some of those Broken Wing tracks, and, like, one more Matt song, and, like, boom, pretty good release that I would, like, I think would be fun, no one would be mad at. And I think that's what mm-hmm. they tried to do with that, like, seven inch ep last year was like hey like here's a little thing and as a result i think it's a lot better for it like i don't think there's any like five star songs on that but like there's also no two and a halfs and not like six of them either Um, right and it didn't come right along with is this thing cursed yeah yeah where it's like i think them doing that is like you know i think when bands go on for a long time you can either kind of just keep doing albums because obviously that's like what people care about. But when you're a band like this, where it's like you have a pretty dedicated fan base, you know, I don't think yeah. tomorrow blink uh, or Alkaline Trio's fan base is going to get to <laughs> blink 182's proportions. And right. like, I don't think any album is going to do that for them at this point in their career. So it's like, why not just put out six songs that like y'all really like playing and therefore other people might want to hear and you can like kind of keep updating the set list a little bit. Um, and yeah. Or just hang on to them. Yeah. I mean, where are they going? Yeah. What is the fucking rush? Um, you all have other projects like, 
mm-hmm. you know, there there is no rush here. But I will say, like, this is a song that I've seen them play live over the years, and every time I'm like, I like this song so much better live than I do on record. And when I was listening to this today, I listened to the studio version, and then there's a couple like nicely filmed live sessions like one of them doing at this guitar center yeah i watched that one and then like another one at some like grammys event um where they do a fucking great version of crawl uh for what that's worth oh for real yeah yeah Yeah. that one's like worth checking out um but both times i'm like man this song is just a little leaner it doesn't it just hits a little better without the bells and whistles and like massive guitar layers um that i think make this song on record I could see it hitting people wrong. Yeah, I mean, listening to it just on the stereo is like, yeah, this is pretty good. And then listening to it on headphones is just like, oh, my God, there's so much happening here. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I find that, like, opening guitar lead is, it's something that sounds like Matt, but that tone is not him at all and it's like shifted over into like kind of a cleaner tone that makes that riff sound just like a bouncing soul song yeah i mean that's the thing is like i think i've always had a weird perception of the song because hearing this for the first time at the start of a record i was like yeah this feels this feels like a riff that could have been on like a good morning era release but it doesn't sound like that Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that's the problem is it's a little too clean. It's a little too dialed in and it's honestly a complaint I have about most records that Bill Stevenson does that aren't descendants records. Um, Mm. which is, and uh, by, from what I've heard is like, he is a real stickler for the details when it comes to recording and i would never say he's not good at it but i think with bands like this he tends to overwork it you know he's kneaded the dough a little too much and it's feeling real stringy um and that's kind of what i really feel about this song like i both in the guitar and even in the drums because derek's doing that like kind of ride bell thing early matching that Uh but it sounds like that's so pulled to the front uh, yeah, and almost like it's doubled, or like there's some sort of like bell thing happening in the mix to like push it up even more. And it's like that doesn't need to happen. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be this cool little like ride shit he's doing. And mm-hmm. um, I also feel like a lot of Dan's kind of cool bass parts are really buried in the mix. Yeah, it's. It, I'm glad that you pointed out the bell because it's like the guitars are so loud, and the kit itself is like kind of buried but there are certain like tones especially like the cymbal tones that are just really like there yep and it's like you're listening to even during like palm muted parts where just like the tiniest bit of crunch on a palm muted guitar sounds louder than the drums by an astronomical proportion yeah and there's nine of them Mm -hmm. and i think that it there's just a lot of like juice kicked into it too when i talk about matt like sounding like he was a little caffeinated for the vocal performance 
that's kind of cool and it fits with the song um as just like a weird like you know there's there's a little bit of a wink going on in this track you can feel it yeah but then you just get like all of this extra shit that just like makes it sound like a fucking monster energy drink commercial yeah yeah i mean it's real like mountain dew core in the way it's kind of produced especially like with that riff and like you calling it a bouncing souls style thing kind of fits into where like yeah it's like gone but like creepy uh and Uh i don't know if that really works for it and that's the thing is like i think a lot of this record you know it has some of the issues that this addiction has with some of the, like the goofy effects, which like I feel like uh, I want to be a Warhol really has. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel like all the moments that feel really lively, that feel like the band's kind of what my big complaint is with so much of this addiction is like not them playing in a room. And I think this song has that energy. I think want to be a Warhol has that energy. It's just, is really muted on the album itself. Like, moments that i think should pop a little more just kind of sit in this like kind of just like whatever space and to to draw this like thing out like i obviously like i'm a big descendants fan i think bill's a great songwriter and i think he's produced great records but i think this period of time he was getting a lot of bands coming to him who i just think were incompatible with what he does alkaline trio is one of them i know he did an off with their heads record which like Mm. definitely not the band for that yeah um you know and like there's a reason what he does work there's a reason him and rise against have worked on like seven records together like that makes sense it doesn't so much here and it's like it's a weird game of degrees where like nothing wrong with this song i think has anything to do with like the structure the parts the vocals blah 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 blah. it's literally just kind of how it all ended up at the end Mm mm-hmm Dude, that break after the chorus mm-hmm. into the third verse, just like with that kick and just the boom, like, come on. Yeah. I just like, I need a little bit. I need, I need the illusion that this song is going to be played live that way. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, so it's so perfectly timed that it's just like, it's flashy and i i don't i i don't know i just wasn't into it well it's just i i struggle with the like big room punk records like that type of sound you know yeah and i think it's because yeah, it's like all of a sudden that kick drum is like you know it's, it's like a fucking airplane hanger yeah and it's like that can work like i think you can do a really good well-produced record that is in like the punk or hardcore vein like the other night I listened to uh, the latest Touche Amore record, Lament, which I think sounds fucking incredible. Yeah. And like, but still sounds like them. Like, mm-hmm. and that's so intentional. Whereas I feel like this, and you know, I get it. Like, I, I think this was the period of time where a lot of what Alkaline Trio was doing was like, we want to work with our heroes because we have the chance. Like, let's do a record with Bill Stevenson. That'll be cool. Not really considering the fact, like, I don't think he's the best fit. And I really think, you know, I think this record is really weak for Dan. And I think a lot of it is because I feel like it's just produced in a way that does not sit with his voice. Well, I think the guitar tones don't really work 
with the way Dan's vocals are on mm-hmm. a lot of it. And I think that's kind of what has always made this one trickier for me is like, sometimes I hear nuggets of good songs, but it's just buried beyond like beneath layers of like, he, Oh, we put seven guitars here, you know? And mm-hmm. like, I don't know, did a lot of pitch replacement on certain parts of the kit, like just shit that like does not thrill me. Yeah. And I think that those like guitar sounds are just not real. They yeah. just are so processed. And I don't know. I I feel like Matt's guitar tone is very signature to this band. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of turned into like an Epitaph Records 2013 boilerplate guitar tone that was probably very involved and it didn't need to be. Yeah, and I will also say this era, and I can speak to it fairly... I I think I I can say what happened, which is, like, this was the era of, like, they're called Axe Effects, which are, like, essentially what bands started touring with was mm. instead of the amps, they're just like these little like kind of pods and it's all programmed in. So you like put in the song yeah. and then it dials up the tone for you. And mm. I've rarely heard a band live that's used them that I think of it has actually sounded good. That's actually replaced them and done well. Mm-hmm. The only one I can mm-hmm. say that for is Jimmy Eat World who like, um, that's a band where they're like, they fucking own their own studio and are very dedicated to getting those details. Right. Um, but this was a period of time where going to see Alkaline Trio live, like Matt stopped having like guitar heads on stage and it was just like cabs. So it's like really Mm. only getting some stage volume, but most of this is just kind of like a facsimile of what it should be. And I just don't really, I understand why that's easier, but I feel like it's that version of this on the record where it's like, we're not going to use any real amps. We're just going to bring this thing because we can just dial it up and program it in and boom, play. And that's that could be fine. Like, I'm not someone who's like Mr. Audio quality about shit. But I do think with stuff like it's almost too clean and not dirty enough. Like, I almost always just want a little more dirt on stuff. Because mm-hmm. it's, especially if you're playing in a realm where we're talking about, like, punk, generally. I I just want to hear that feel. And I want to, like, not feel like I'm just listening to, like, robots doing a thing. <laughs> it's working dirt. Working dirt. It's, they do. <laughs> Shout out to any uh, uh, wrestling fans out there especially uh wrestling podcasts but they'll talk about like you know um like you see blood is it shoot blood Mm -hmm. or is it working blood is it the real stuff or is it the fake stuff and this when i say working dirt it's like oh we don't need dirt we've actually got this really exciting new product it's processed to look and feel and sound just like dirt, mm-hmm. but you don't get your hands dirty. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good way to put it, I think. I think that really just, sums up my uh, opinion of this track. But, you know... Just plug it into the dis- 
the overdrive. But that's it. Yeah. If only. If fucking only. I feel like rarely are those like new cool things that we can do in the studio rarely are those like lasting it is almost certainly going to sound dated within five years that's the thing man it's just like people learn nothing from the 80s like where it's just like there are so many records that's like yeah i get it it's like a new thing you can do and it ostensibly is like cool and good but it doesn't it doesn't mean that's something that's going to sound good in five years or 10 years or like i don't know i think there's just a real i mean it's the same with movies where like 2000 Mm -hmm. cgi the next summer would look atrocious you know and even now like yeah it's in a pretty good place but like it can just feel so hollow and i feel like this is kind of the music equivalent of that where like if you want to do demos whatever like even touring with it like i think it loses a little something but i imagine 95 percent of people don't notice so whatever it's fine like you don't need to Mm -hmm. inconvenience yourself for the five percent but when you're making an album that's like ostensibly going to last forever i think you can pull the amps out and like fuck around and figure out what sounds good for the songs and i think more than any record of theirs i think what would improve so much of this material is actually like a varied guitar sound from track to track because i Mm. think it actually kind of needs more than what's there yeah what do you rate it this one gets a solid three from me i'm gonna give it a two and a half which i feel is uh i mean yeah I I I think maybe I was a little hard on it, but it also just uh, to me it's emblematic of a lot of things that I don't like, and I know that that's not like a given. I know that there are people who who aren't too stoked to hear that, and I don't expect anyone to be swayed, and I also don't uh, want anybody to think that their opinion is wrong. Well, I mean, what what I'll say is I think two and a half and above is positive. To me, like, when I when I go below two and a half is when it's like, if something's a C, yeah, I'm not thrilled about it, but I'm not, like, mad at it. Once we dip below that is when I'm like, okay, this is not a song I want to hear. And with this, it's not my favorite. It's not in the upper echelon, but it's not going to, like throw me into a fit of rage uh and there are plenty of songs like that from this band and many others uh so yeah i mean i know people who really like the song and i totally get it and see what they see in it which is why give it a three i think it's it's slightly above average my issues are mostly production based and you know that that shouldn't spoil something but you know sometimes it just fucking does well i think that no matter how much you change, you still have to pay the price for the things you've done. What's that from? The town! I'll As see you were. A podcast about Alkaline Trio. Every week, we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week, we talked about She Lied to the FBI. It was a lot of fun. We talked good stuff. And we talk good stuff every week. 
And we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. You can help us continue to do the thing that we do. And in exchange for that, we let you vote on the songs that we talk about. We go into long form. We offer up swag, merchandise. And uh, yeah, tell your friends, rate, subscribe. We'll be back next week. We'll see you then. Thank you, friends.